Welcome to Jane Unchained, featuring best-selling author, TV journalist, and JaneUnchained.com founder, Jane Velez Mitchell. In the next few minutes, you'll hear a secret solution to the problems that plague our world. If you want to revolutionize your life, get truly joyful, and jump to the next phase of human evolution, all it takes is one simple choice. Now, here's your host, Jane Velez Mitchell. I am so delighted, so honored to have one of my heroes on today, a woman who is a change maker extraordinaire. I honestly can't think of anybody who is doing more to change uh, society right now than the person you are about to meet. Tracy McWhorter. Tracy, you... um, have done by any greens necessary. And it's a great metaphor because you are extraordinarily, extraordinarily focused on your mission. What is your mission? Well, first of all, Happy New Year, Jane, and to your viewers. It's been a minute, so it's wonderful to see you as always. And thank you for that wonderful introduction. And my mission is to help um, particularly Black women go vegan so that we can change our health paradigm. So for better health for now and for generations to come. And how are you doing that? Well, my newest initiative, I've been doing this work for about 30, 35 years. Um, I've been vegan for 35 years. So in a variety of ways over these coming on four decades, but my newest initiative is a new nonprofit called 10 Million Black Vegan Women, which I started in 2020 based on the success of my 10,000 Black Vegan Women free 21-day program online that I launched during COVID in October of 2020. My goal was to get 10,000 Black women to go vegan together for 21 days in October of 2020, and we ended up having 15,000 women go vegan with us, and their results were phenomenal. And so I wanted to expand that exponentially and do it as a nonprofit so that we could get substantial funding so we could keep these programs free and as low as possible for the ones that will end up uh, charging a little bit. So my goal um, is, is really to use all of everything that I have accumulated so far in these last 35 years to get as many black women to go vegan as possible. Um, Because we, while we are fabulous, while we are the the current face of veganism, the majority of us experience the worst health outcomes in in this country, not to mention worldwide. So we need to be focused on. Right now, we have a first the first mayor of New York City who is vegan. And Eric Adams speaks about it. He is not shy. He's written a book about it. Right after he was inaugurated, he went on Morning Joe and talked about the need to get kids healthy. It's so obvious to us who are plant-based that virtually every single problem we face as a society boils down to our toxic relationship with the natural world, our exploitation of animals, and everything it brings. The healthcare crisis, two-thirds of Americans overweight or obese, 
heart disease, a leading killer, which comes from too much cholesterol, which only exists in animal products. It doesn't exist in uh, plant-based products. You have um, the pandemic, which is um, either way, if it started in a wet market, which is the most likely possibility, the result of um, animals being consumed for food, that's what they do. They kill animals at a wet market. If it for a chance, by any remote possibility, happened in the lab, they were experimenting on animals. Okay, so um, we talk about now with the pandemic, uh, comorbidities are increasing your chance of dying. And those comorbidities are obesity, heart disease, uh, type 2 diabetes. Again, these are preventable illnesses with dietary changes. Tracy, um, as Dr. Silas Rao who is the star of our documentary Countdown to Year Zero, says we're all being factory farmed. They, uh, there's a new film called uh, They're Trying to Kill Us, where um, it focuses on the fact that these unhealthy diets are being targeted uh, to the African-American community. Uh, why is it that it's taking so long, do you think, for people to wake up to the fact that they are being scammed and they are being exploited, and that still so many people defend the system that is exploiting them. Yeah, it's um, most people um, are misinformed, right? And and I think that what what people don't and people don't realize that they're misinformed. They just they do what they were brought up to do. They don't believe that their parents would be um, feeding them unhealthy food. They don't believe that their schools would be feeding them, them unhealthy food. You know, they look at us like we're the ones who are crazy and backwards, right? Um, and, or not backwards, that's the wrong word, opposite. You know, whereas vegans, we feel like we are living in opposite world, right? Everyone should be vegan because it's the healthiest way to eat. It's best for the planet, best for the environment best for other people um, in terms of having enough food to feed people in the world when you feed them food and not give that food to animals. So there are all these reasons why we know it's best, but we have been able to get different information, better information, and um, we decided to do it even though most people around us are not. And I think that at this point, it takes a lot for people to do it when other people aren't doing it around them, right? It makes them question veganism as opposed to questioning society and other people. So um, that said, you know that. So that's one thing, right? There's there is a the personal will and desire and ability to change when the society is telling you something different, and then you have the society that is telling you day in and day out from. Um, from childhood that eating meat and dairy is the best way to eat, that it's healthy, everyone else is doing it, it tastes better, um, all of it, right? And it's by design that it is this way. And so it's very difficult for people to see this as false and to see this as propaganda, to see this as, uh, to see themselves being exploited. It's hard for people to see that um, and what I think is that this is rapidly changing and COVID has helped to make that happen. Um, 
And Jane, if I can, one of the things that you mentioned um, is that, um, you know, African, that movie, you know, they're trying to kill us, Eric Adams and his book. Um, and, you know, I focus particularly on black women. And one fact that most people don't know is that up until the 1960s, African-Americans as a demographic were the most likely to be eating fruit, fresh fruits and vegetables, right? We were the most likely to be meeting the recommended daily allowance for fruits and vegetables of any demographic in the country. And what changed is that after Dr. King was assassinated, fast food companies with subsidies from the federal government came into cities, um, Chicago, Washington, DC, New York, um, uh, Cleveland, major cities around the country and targeted these communities with fast food restaurants. And they were subsidized by the federal government. And one of the reasons, the first reason of course was greed, um, capitalism, all of that. Um, but one of the reasons is the federal government thought that this would be a way to quell rebellion, right? To bring in these fast food restaurants, provide jobs for um, young people and for adults. They connected, they partnered with civil rights organizations deliberately. And so it was a catch 22 for these organizations because unemployment was a serious issue and it was a way for young people to be employed. Um, and so, you, and so what happened is within 10 to 15 years, when um, the National Food Survey was done again, African-Americans African were then the least likely to be eating fruits and vegetables. So this targeting, this deliberate targeting continues. Um, but people don't know that, right? So um, there's just a lot of information out here that folks just don't know. But what I have found is that when you make these connections, people get it. They understand exploitation and extraction when it comes to housing, when it comes to education, when it comes to employment. They just may not have thought about it when it comes to food and health. So what we have is a situation where the U.S. government has created the problem and now they are claiming to want to solve it. President Biden just announced that he is giving a billion dollars to increase slaughterhouses and to promote meat. And he said that this is to provide dignity to farmers and ranchers. So the idea that you're going to torture and exploit animals and that's going to give you dignity is a really twisted, toxic concept. And Albert Einstein said no problem can be solved with the level of consciousness that created it. What I see is a government that is completely co-opted by industry. The head of the USDA, the U.S. Department of Agriculture that determines the food programs for kids is a dairy industry trade group leader. He is a dairy executive. So, of course, he is not going to promote uh, plant-based they, they uh, quote capitalism and, and President Biden said, um, we have to make capitalism transparent and it's not fair. This, this is not capitalism. The right. millions, 
Tens of billions, if not more, dollars go into subsidizing animal agriculture already. The average fast food hamburger would be eight to $25, not $2. So it's not even capitalism, it's corporate socialism. And yet it seems that so many progressives, people who should know better, people who should be on the side of transitioning kids and their parents and their grandparents to healthy fruits, vegetables, nuts, grains, and legumes, to lower healthcare costs, to to protect people during a pandemic, to prevent future pandemics, to fight climate change. They are completely 100% silent. And before you answer that question, we've got one of my favorite people on the planet, Gwenna Hunter, who has a question for you. (laughs) She is the founder of Vegans for Black Lives Matter. Gwenna, take it away. Hi, um, can you both hear me okay? Yes. Okay, excellent. Hey, Tracy. (laughs) Happy New Year. How are you? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, sis. (laughs) (laughs) So I had a question. Um, I wanted to know, like, what do you find? Because I do a lot of community work and dealing with a lot of people that are not vegan, especially in the African-American community. And just out of curiosity, what do you find is like, like the the top misconceptions that people, uh, African-Americans in particular, still have about plant-based food or veganism? And also, what do you do when it comes to the question about consuming tofu? Ah, oh, gosh. <laughs> great questions. Thank you, Gwenna. Thank yeah, you. Gwenna. So, of course, those are great questions. You know, I'm laughing at the how, when will this die, right? It's like, when will pro- the protein question die? When will the soy question die? Anyway, um, I think one of the one of the biggest misconceptions is that um, it's not going to taste good, right? Um, not, you know, there's there is the idea that we must eat meat for protein, right? So we know that that's a general misconception. Um, but I think that the fact everyone knows somebody who's vegetarian or vegan at this point, they're familiar with it or plant based, like they're familiar with these terms. It's it's gotten to that point. But I think people have no concept that it can taste good and be nutritious, that that's enough, right? It's more than enough, actually. That is what that is all that they need. And that they have no conception that most of the food they're already eating is vegan. If they eat vegetables, if they eat fruit, if they eat grains, if they eat beans, if they eat nuts, that's plant-based, that's vegan. So they're already, that's most of what people eat. Um, so, you know, they, they have meat and dairy too. So they have, they don't have a concept that they're already doing this. It's not foreign to them. And so that, those are some of the things that I, you know, that I, that I have found, Gwenna. Um, and, you know, I, I just am straight up and I, I tell people, you know, a dead bird, you know, doesn't taste good, right? It's the seasonings that supposedly make it taste good, flour and spices um, oil, and those things are vegan. So it's the seasonings, it's the spices, it's the sauces. Um, it's all of that is, is vegan. And so um, those are some of the those are some of the things I find. And as far as the soy question, um, it's so crazy, because in this country, there's so many things we could say, but I'll just say two. you know, most soy is fed to animals, right? So they're consuming soy you know, they think that they're not, but they are. Like they consume more soy than we do, right? 
if they eat meat. That's number one. <laughs> and then number two, you just, you know, it, it, you just have to look at the studies. I mean, the people who eat soy have, uh, are healthy. It depends on the type of soy, but particularly women, you know, if you have, it, pre it prevents breast cancer. If you have breast cancer, it can help you live longer. Um, there are more than 50 years worth of, of studies on soy. There are thousands of years of people living, of people eating soy. The kind of soy that people eat, have been eating for centuries, miso, tofu, tempeh, edamame. Not soy nuggets, not soy ice cream, not soy cheese, not soy pepperoni, right? There's um, not soy mayo. There are different types of soy out here now, right? Um, but those basic, those other types of soy are the ones that people have been eating for millennia. And obviously they don't give men boobs. I mean, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Let me say one more thing about it. Soy is one bean. It comes from the soybean. There are hundreds of beans in the bean queendom, in the bean plantdom. If you don't want to eat soy, don't eat soy. Eat other beans. It's one bean. You don't have to eat it. That's it. <laughs> I love it. I love, I love how you communicate this message. Absolutely powerful. Um, we've got more callers. So we've got sure. Kim on the line. Kim, your question or thought? Hi, can you hear me? Yes. Okay, thank yes. you. Hi, thank you. I'm so glad that Gwenna asked that soy question because I was totally wondering about that. And um, thank you for all you do, both of you. I'm wondering about the demographics within the African-American community. Are, um, which demographics are going vegan in the greatest numbers? Good question. So the latest um, research that we have is from the Pew Research Center. And Pew did a study in 2016 that found that African-Americans are the fastest growing vegan and vegetarian demographic in the United States. 8% as compared to 3% of Americans overall. Now, I'm Jane and I have been doing this work a long time. Um, and so we know that there have been studies similar to this that have been going on since the 1990s, right? The Vegetarian Resource Group is one of those that, that did yearly surveys, food surveys. And so what Pew found in 2016 is consistent with what has been found for decades. African-Americans have been twice as likely to be vegan. VR, the Vegetarian Resource Group only did vegan. Um, for, you know, for decades. And African-Americans were consistently, um, the numbers were twice as high as, as everyone else. And so this is not a surprise for me. Um, this is not a surprise for people who've been doing this work for a very long time. It's consistent as it, you know, it, which makes sense. So of those African-American vegan and vegans and vegetarians, um, it is um, presumed that it's mostly women. And um, because that's what has typically, that is what's typically, typically been the case, um, uh, that most vegans and vegetarians are women. And so uh, if that is indeed the case, um, and it's uh, highly likely that it is, that means that black women are the, are the face of veganism in this country, right? 
And so um, that's what I lead with, that statistic and just, you know, talking about um, African-Americans as innovators and leaders and veganism, even, I mean, obviously we were plant-centered, um, not plant-exclusive, but plant-centered um, in Africa and on through our 400 years here. Um, and um, what an African-American women as a demographic eat the most dark leafy greens of any demographic in the country and dark leafy greens are the healthiest food on the planet, right? You have Seventh-day Adventists who have been um, vegetarian and vegan for hundreds of years, African-Americans included. And so, um, what, so what that means is it's a, you know, we, this is not foreign to us. There's always been this big river, mighty river, I say, of African-Americans who've been vegan and vegetarians um, since the beginning in this country of the vegan movement, uh, but alongside this wider ocean of folks who are omnivores. So 8% being Afri of African-Americans being vegan and vegetarian is good, it's powerful, it's strong, but you got 90 plus percent who are not. And so there's still a lot of work to be done. Well said. We are speaking with Tracy McWhorter by any greens necessary. She has this powerful revolutionary program to get one million African-American women to go vegan every year. She is changing the world. And we have so many questions coming in. We've got Naja. We've got Naja on the line. Naja uh, Wright Brown, who is also a leader in this movement, the head of the Black Vegan Society, the Black Veg Society. Naja, your question or thought? Oh, well, I had to call in. Tracy's, Tracy's there. Definitely hey, my peeps doing. Happy New Year. <laughs> doing her thing. The greatest to have ever done it. She has got, she still has me at the African-American vegan starter guide. Like that is the Bible for African-American vegans. So definitely have to shout Tracy out. Um, she's been there for projects like Vegan Soul Fest, uh, which she's received an award at in 2018. And then uh, Keep Your Fresh Day Award. Tracy, keep doing your thing. I love you. You got my number. You need anything, even though I, I know you got this. Make sure you reach out. <laughs> You're a blessing. Like, I'm looking at you. You're inspiring me to get, get my game up. <laughs> she does that all the time. <laughs> Thank you. You know, you're, you know, I really appreciate that. And I, uh, I received that and I will of course reach out to you. Um, you know, we're doing our program again in February. So I'll reach out to you about that and moving forward. Um, but you know, you're just a, you're a powerful voice, you and your husband, um, you and Brenda, you have so many partnerships and connections, um, that you, with the Afro Veg Society, with the Land of Kush, so um, oh my gosh, I can't even name all of them, Naja. So thank you. Um, and I, I hope you're sharing this out to all those Facebook pages, Naja. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. You. Because this is a web. I think yes. what the point that Naja's making is that this is a web, and the web is growing, yeah. and the connections. You have Gwen Hunter with Vegans for Black Lives Matter. Yeah. Uh, you have uh, Naja Wright Brown on the East Coast, and yeah. we have you, and we have people like Tabitha Brown. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Uh, I am listening to her book right now, and she is just hilarious, but yet has an incredible message at the same time. And she has broken through the mainstream. Um, Once these dots connect enough, uh, we can have the tipping point. And wouldn't it be wonderful for African-American women to lead the way uh, on this global change where we are running out of time to make the transition to a plant-based diet to save the planet. We are in a race against time. And clearly we can't wait for the establishment to connect the dots. They are not connecting the dots. People who are super smart, okay, who can understand the nuances of the Mueller investigation and all of these other things, Mm -hmm. yet when uh, Biden says he's going to give a billion dollars to increase slaughterhouses in order to lower the price of meat to get more people to eat meat, even though he has made a climate change promise that the New York Times itself says he's not delivering on. Right. I just read this morning, greenhouse gas emissions have skyrocketed. Uh, and and yet there's such an obvious connection because the carbon footprint of meat and dairy is so much higher than plant-based. Mm-hmm. So, when, when the smartest people in the room don't make the connection, we can't leave it up to them. You know, the right. best and the brightest was a sarcastic title about um, the so-called eggheads, the brains, the mm-hmm. Harvards and the Yaleys who brought us the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, fascinating when you read it. It's, it's clearly a sarcastic title. Let's mm-hmm. not wait for the best and the brightest the ones who are in the positions of power to connect the dots because they're morally bankrupt at this point. And that's a bipartisan issue. Our yeah. government has been completely co-opted by the meat, dairy and pharmaceutical industry. And so has our media. If you look at TV commercials, it's pretty much fast food and pharmaceuticals. I can't even have dinner watching TV because the side effects of the drugs they want you to take are so gross. I always mute. I go, oh, that's so disgusting. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've had that experience. Yeah, having yeah, exactly. Just sitting and, and listening to the commercials, a side effect is death. I mean, it's ridiculous, you know? Yeah, and 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 let me just say this, and I know it's leading to a question. Um, <laughs> so whereas we can't rely on the media, we can't rely on our government, and that's bipartisan, doesn't matter what party's in power, the meat, dairy, and pharmaceutical industry has completely co-opted uh, the USDA, the FDA, the NIH, the the uh, whatever administration. And so we have to have somebody else and it's got to be a grassroots movement. It's got to rise up from the ground. And uh, why not have it be led by African-American women? Right. Why not? Right. And so, the I mean, it's you know, there you and I know that there are lots of organizations and people have been doing this work for a very long time. So this is and for what I'm doing is help is one of those ways I'm ramping up what I'm doing because of the urgency, right? Um, for all of the reasons that you named, including our including our own health. So we have to take back control. I, I completely agree. Well, and and furthermore, when we make the connection between human exploitation and animal exploitation and climate exploitation, that it brings it together because as you mentioned, 
these industries have particularly targeted the African-American community and communities of color to exploit. And so and who are the majority of the workers who are working in these um, in these meat industries? Right. There are many in the South, as we saw during covid. They didn't care that these that these workers were packed together um, and were getting, you know, they insisted that they go back to work under Trump, right? And so um, uh, all, and there were there was COVID, there were COVID breakouts in meat in, in meat companies all over uh, the South, and people, you know, they didn't care, right? The owners of these companies didn't care; they just wanted to ramp up meat production. And so, um, what has changed under this administration, truly? Um, so, and, and, and those and those folks are predominantly people of color, predominantly low-income Black folks, right? As it is in any other industry that you can name. And so, when you when you connect these dots, um, I think that people instantly get it. They just haven't. They may not have heard about it in these ways, right? And they immediately want to do something. Um, but yeah, I think that it's. You know, we can't tiptoe around these issues. And that's one of the things that I love truly, Jane, about you is that you, you, you know, you're just like, this is what it is, y'all. We can't, you know, we have to talk about it and be plain. And there are not a lot of people who are willing to do that. I'm, I feel that I'm that same way. I'm, you know, I'm just talking about it plainly. These are the connections. This is why you, you know, this is why black women, black folks in particular need to need to understand that health and food is just like any other industry under this system that exploits and extracts from us. Right. And once you see it that way, that's the way Dick Gregory taught it to me in 1986 when I was at Amherst College. Nothing has changed. Right. We are still targeted. Um, And so, you know, it's one thing to um, it's one thing to promote veganism. um, But for me, it's, all you know, as a personal choice. um, But it's about but I'm an activist. And as you are, I think, and it's all, and it's about making these connections. I want black women who have the worst health outcomes to be the healthiest, right? Or among the healthiest. It's not a competition, but the fact that we are targeted and are the least healthy now, I want that to be completely reversed. Um, It's not acceptable to me that it is this way. And as we are targeted, in these negative ways, we need to be focused on and centered in this positive way. Yes, and here's what I'd like to say. Um, if you could somehow marry the political um, uprising, the cultural changes that are occurring now with food, we could literally save the planet. This is what I see. Mm-hmm. I see it clear as day mm-hmm. you have a a, a a group of people rising up and saying hey let's revisit history mm-hmm. let's start talking about what really happened let's mm-hmm. examine the fact that this college is named after somebody who um was an enslaver yeah. was an enslaver okay mm-hmm. and so we have that we have the black lives matter movement mm-hmm. we have all these movements And yet it doesn't necessarily connect to food. 
Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with the climate movement. I mean, exactly. if we could co- connect uh, the fire drill Fridays to the food system, we could hit the tipping point. Exactly. I've been shouted down at those at those uh, events where I've been told to be quiet. At about the fire drill Fridays? At, yes, at various climate events. I don't yeah. want to target yeah. any particular, but okay. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I applaud them, but... Animal agriculture is a leading cause and it is a solution. And it's one that we can all, we can all partake in. Every single time you bite uh, a piece of food, you are making not just a personal choice, but a political choice and an environmental choice and a health choice and a moral choice. And so (laughs) what, what I see is that you are really at this point where you are at this great juncture where if you could mobilize all these women to essentially go back to their original diet of their heritage mm-hmm. uh, and skip this exploitive interlude right. um, that that so many people have been conditioned to defend. Right. Defend as their right to kill themselves, but go back to the food that was originally right. what their ancestors consumed. Mm-hmm. Um, that that it would be perhaps the most empowering thing, not just for the African community, African-American community, but for the entire world. Right. And exactly. And one of the and and I'm absolutely making these connections as are other folks doing this work, um, uh, you know, some other folks doing this work as well. So, yes, I definitely agree. And let me just say, um, since you brought up Um, the uprisings from 2020 and the Black Lives Matter movement, one of the things that I have been saying is that, um, you know, police kill about anywhere between 1,000 to 3,000 people recorded, reported, right? Um, Those are the deaths that we're talking about, right? Um, There are 300,000 African-Americans who die of primarily preventable diet-related chronic diseases every year, 3,300,000. 3, we are in the streets about this as we should be. We are not in the streets about this, right? We are not in the streets about the 300,000. We're in the streets about the 3,000. Both are tragic, both are systemic, both are preventable, right? And so this is the connection that people need to make, right? Um, I remember when back in the 1990s, when my mom and my sister and I would go to protest with our friends against the Iraq war at that time with one of the Bushes, probably the first Bush, um, you know, we'd be out there protesting in DC in the streets and then our friends would go to fast food places afterwards. And we would talk to them about what, you know, don't you see that this is, that you, this is connected, this is, this is bad. This is part of the problem. They, they, it was tough because they, they didn't make the connection. You know, um, I think a lot more people are making the connection now. Um, but you know, Dick Gregory went vegan because of the practice of nonviolence during the civil rights movement. This is just this history is here. It's 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 uh, relevant. And every time that I talk about it, the people. You know, and I hear other of our colleagues making these connections, it makes a difference. People understand then, you know, the connections and it helps them to make make this change. 
I wish you could get thought leaders like the Reverend Al Sharpton and some of the other folks. I mean, Eric Adams is a breakthrough. Cory Booker is a breakthrough. Um, Cory Booker, the vegan U.S. senator from New Jersey. Now Eric Adams, the vegan mayor of New York City. And yet you don't see it on mainstream TV. You know, if we could get Tabitha Brown, another breakthrough. Okay, but then you have um, a lot of people who have very, 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 very huge platforms that will not touch this. I don't know whether they've done the math and figure, oh, they're going to lose their jobs if they touch this because look at the advertisers. But we need to, you know, um, we we're so close, but it's it's like there has to be that breakthrough. Yes, Um, and it's coming. I mean, this is how it goes, Jane. Even during the civil rights movement, the majority of Black folks were not participating. They were uh, in the civil rights movement in terms of being out on the street, being in terms of being foot soldiers, right? In terms of being uh, activists who were willing to risk it all. The majority of people didn't do it. You don't need the majority. You just need a tipping point, right? And you had some who just, you know, for a variety of reasons, could not do that, right? They could not risk it all in that, during those times, but they supported in other ways. So, yes, it, is not, it doesn't need to be the majority, but it, but it needs to be enough so that the tipping point happens. And, I, and it is happening. I mean, you can see the change occurring in the numbers, the, the growing numbers of people who are going vegan and, and, and Black folks leading the way. So uh, we don't need to get 10 million for, to reach 10 million, right? When we get our first million, people are gonna look around and say, oh, okay, my friends are doing it. My church is doing it. My sisters are doing it. I'm going to try it. You know, that's Kentucky Fried Chicken is doing it. Kentucky Fried Chicken <laughs> has just launched a plant-based uh, chicken. And yeah. uh, one of the th- things we're going to do this week is get it and uh, ask people to try it and see what the, it tastes like. Uh, if it tastes the same, it has zero cholesterol and is better for the planet and doesn't involve animal cruelty, why wouldn't you choose it? And this is what I think has terrified uh, the meat and dairy industry to the point where they are pressuring the administration to uh, give you know, more slaughterhouses. And and it's it's really the cultural shift is happening. This is an idea whose time has come. Yeah. And it's, it's really tragic that that the government is the one who's perpetuating the old system. Mm-hmm. And uh, yet uh, the, the ironically, capitalism is actually making the transition faster than anybody else. You have vegan exchange traded funds on the stock market. You have the Beyond Meats and the Oatleys and you have um, McDonald's is testing out uh, a plant based burger in the United States. Burger King already has one. Kentucky Fried Chicken. Not a surprise. I mean that you know that's that there's a gold rush happening when it comes to plant based foods uh, in the food industry, right? And it's mostly processed food. It's it can be transition foods or bridge foods to help you you know get over. But you know I'm a proponent of whole food plant based. But when I transitioned, I did do these transitional foods. So they can be helpful. What I would hope is that these, uh, some of these uh, millions of dollars 
also go into nonprofit organizations, media organizations, animal rights organizations, that they actually take some of these millions, the investors and also the, the folks who own these companies and funnel some of this money into folks who are helping people make the change on the ground, not just promote processed food, right? Um, so that's what I hope that that will happen with that as well. Oh, this is such a fascinating conversation. We have to take a short break on Voice America Radio, but we're going to stay live on Facebook. We've got Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit VoiceAmerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We get Guaranteed, it will be the best hour of your week. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Jane Unchained. To reach the show today, call in to 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email in to News at gmail.com. Now back to the show. We are talking with Tracy McCorder of By Any Greens Necessary. This woman is a leader in the movement to transition our culture to plant-based for human health, for compassionate animals, and to save the planet from a climate apocalypse. And Tracy has been so successful by focusing particularly on African-Americans and African-American women. And now you have this new program. Tell us how people can get involved if they want to be involved in your program. So they can go to 10millionblackveganwomen.org. It's the number 10millionblackveganwomen.org. And on social media, it's 10millionbvw, 10millionbvw. And they can sign up. We make it what I think what makes us uh, so unique is that we focus on community. So we have a free 21-day program that's coming up on February, February 20th. And um, we are having thousands of black women go vegan together as a community online. And so all of these things that we're talking about, all of these connections that we're making, this is what we talk about in the program. So that we're not just talking about food and recipes, we're talking about health, the environment, uh, climate change, history, Um, we're talking about animal advocacy, animal rights, all of these connections we make 
um, where we will be making in these in this program, and it's absolutely free because we want um, we want to change the health paradigm of Black women now and for generations. And so um, the way the way to do that is to do it in community and to make connections with other aspects of our lives. Wow, so so powerful. And um, y- you mentioned that, and some people say, well. It's sort of offensive to say that African-Americans are the fastest growing demographic in plant-based. I don't really understand why. I think it's a, a cause for celebration and uh, that it's an incredible thing. And, uh, you know, um, but um, let's talk a little bit about the tipping point. Yeah. You said that, okay, so overall, 3% of the nation is plant-based. And and amongst African-Americans, it's eight percent. Can you tell us what the percentage is amongst African-American women and where you think the tipping point is? Because Malcolm Gladwell wrote this great book called The Tipping Point. point. People have debated what is the exact percentage that is the tipping point where the culture flips. And but by the culture flipping, I don't mean that there's vegan police running around and arresting anybody who has a leather belt. What we're saying is that when you go into a restaurant, plant-based would be the norm and mm-hmm. the meat would be the outlier, essentially. That would be the flip of the culture. Right. And so, okay, so there's a there's a lot there. I think that, well, you know, Malcolm Gladwell, I be, uh, from what I remember reading his book, says that it's 10% of the population has to do something, Right. Um, of the population overall, meaning all demographics combined, it's 10%. Um, uh, Among that number of African-Americans being uh, 8% vegan and vegetarian, 30 to 33% eat plant-based meals on a regular basis. That is a much higher number, right? And the number is higher with Americans overall. That That is a tipping point that we have to talk about as well, because it may not be going completely vegan, completely vegetarian that gets us to the tipping point. It's that third, one third, increasing that number that are eating plant-based foods, right? Because that's usually where it starts. People don't usually transition overnight. They transition over time and they start to add more plant-based foods. So if we look at that percentage, 30 to 33% eating plant-based meals on a regular basis at home and choosing plant-based meals when they go out, right? That's the that's what needs to increase as well. That's what leads to that 8% vegan and vegetarian because they then take the next step. So if you look at it, you see that the tipping point may not be that far away. Um, and uh but I think it's going to take some time. I mean, but I do, I, you know, I see this as kind of in decades um, in the next 10 years. Uh, I think that we need to, obviously, because of climate change, right? They're saying that we have, um, I, the number changes all the time. What is it? We have 15, we have 20 years, we have 15 years. Um, Jane, you probably know. It depends know on who you talk to. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Silas Rao, who we profiled in our documentary Countdown to Year Zero, says we have six years because in about six years, we will have wiped out essentially all wildlife on this planet. We've already wiped out about 70 percent 
Yeah, that's so true. we're on track to literally destroy all wildlife. And that's going to trigger a leak, an ecological collapse. Um, mm-hmm. A huge percentage of our food is based on insect pollination. And when we destroy all the habitat, that pollination uh, is going to disappear. Additionally, the destruction of the forest to create cattle grazing land and to grow commodity crops, as you mentioned, soy, corn, et cetera, to mm-hmm. feed 80 billion animals. Um, the destruction of those forests means that the, there are not trees there absorbing carbon. Trees absorb carbon. Trees are what bring the temperature down. So by giving the planet a buzz cut in order to have cattle grazing and to grow uh, commodity crops to feed the cattle, mm-hmm. uh, we are uh, basically heating the planet. So mm-hmm. at a certain point when the planet gets too hot, uh, crops aren't going to be able to grow and we're right. going to have widespread food shortages. Additionally, you're going to have people Uh, And people never talk about the immigration crisis. The immigration crisis is largely an environmental crisis. And there's Mm -hmm. only been one article in the New York Times really about that. If you go down to the Northern Triangle, you see the people who had been um, subsistence farmers for eons lived off their land. They grew their food, they ate it, and that's it. They can't do it anymore because Mm -hmm. the land is intemperate. It goes from extreme heat to extreme wind to extreme rain. So all those people are fleeing. This is just an appetizer to the kind of uh, climate immigration we're going to have globally as people flee hotter climates. Um, We have very little time uh, to make this transition. So, um, you know, some of the things, and we only have a couple of minutes here, but uh, a lot of times, one, uh, and I would, could talk to you for hours, but sometimes within people who are activists, okay, about, let's say, social justice, they will say to you, I don't have time for this. I care about people, not animals. What Have you experienced that? And what do you say to them uh, when they say that? Yeah, I mean, it's all related for me. I don't, I don't. Um you know, I, I, it has always been related to me, related to me. And I talk about all of it. Um, you know, I, I was inducted into the Animal Rights Hall of Fame in 2018. This is, I started a people of color, co-founded a people of color animal rights organization in 2001 called Jazz, Justice for All Species. It is not, I mean, it's, this is all related for me. It was related for Dick Gregory and that's who I learned from, right? Uh, Rosa Parks. It's it's related. So that's what I tell them. You know, these issues are not these issues are not separate. Um, you cannot separate them. So um, yes, and you have organizations like a well-fed world um, that are that are focusing specifically on climate change and food, making these connections. There's so many excellent resources out here um, that it's easy to share. You know, the 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 thing is that more people need to be willing to say it, right? And just to be straight up and speak plainly about it and make these connections. And, you know, not just focus on personal choice and and fame. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, You know, here in LA, there is a little Ethiopia and it has an incredible vegan restaurant. And what I learned going there is that Ethiopian food is primarily plant-based. This is what I'm saying. This is the world. It's world cuisines um, are 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 traditionally plant based. Yeah, not plant exclusive, but plant based for sure. Majority plants. Yes, and a lot of doctors like Dr. Milton Mills and others make the connection that 
um, the food that we have been conditioned to eat is has nothing to do with our heritage. And, you know, um, I don't care what heritage you're talking about. I'm Puerto Rican and Irish. And if you look back at my heritage, uh, well, on the Puerto Rican side, you have black beans, rice, uh, yuca, platanos um, and all the fruits and vegetables of a Caribbean island. That's not uh, a meat based diet. And even right. the Irish side, you have potatoes, you have cabbage, you have um, all sorts of greens. So yeah. really, uh, if you look at Italian, if you look at, but yet people will always cite their heritage. Well, I could never go vegan or go. Right. Or my grandmother I'm- ate meat and she, you know, till she, you know, all her life, you know, but uh, what, what was the quality of her life? You know? Did she have diabetes? Did she have unhealthy weight? Did she struggle with hot, high cholesterol and heart disease? Uh, you know, the majority of us do. And so do you, do you want to just live or do you want to do better, right? Yeah, and I just feel like we can connect uh, people with their actual heritage. Yeah, for they sure. could go plant-based, that's my point. And, and yet it seems like that is a real struggle. Um, Tracy, I just want to say uh, congratulations. What an incredible, incredible uh, program. And we are going to feature this on Unchained TV. Unchained TV is a new television streaming network focused on veganism and climate and human health. And uh, the work of Tracy McWhorter is something we are honored to have and showcase on Unchained TV. And so um, I just hope everybody checks it out. Please download the app. It's free on your iPhone. And uh, I'm going to do that actually right when we get off. That's fabulous, Jay. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. And uh, this, this is going to be going up there. And, uh, you know, we'd really just love to have more of your involvement. So thank you so much, Voice America Radio. Thank you for tuning in to Jane Unchained. We hope you'll join Jane Velez Mitchell for the next edition of her program next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Meanwhile, have a peaceful week.